I'm Bob Gay Goldthwait, and you're listening to The Devil's Mischief on Radio Free Satan. Your host, Reverend Bill M., brings us The Devil's Mischief. Carnal comedy clips. Netherworld novelty of numbers. Brought to you by RadioFreeSatan.com. Episode number 675. Welcome to the Devil's Mischief, Carnal Comedy Clips and Netherworld Novelty Numbers, and the station to bring it to you is Radio Free Satan. Most recently, I saw Bobcat Goldthwait. I think this was my third or fourth time seeing him. Always a hilarious show. He had some great local Boston comedians opening, too, and this was up in Beverly, Massachusetts. He did four shows over the weekend. Two shows on two different nights. Many years ago on The Devil's Mischief, I remember playing him and some listener telling me that he had had no idea what Goldthwait had done aside from the role he had in the movie Scrooged. I guess that's the difference between people who grew up in the 80s versus people who grew up in the 1990s. What movies do you know Bobcat Goldthwait from? I've met him twice, and I asked him once why he does not have an official website or social media channel. I think he said he just never did it, not interested. I think it's crazy because I think it's good to have a go-to source for things. Gotta wonder why his management didn't say anything about it. But I did see him advertised, uh, saw him advertised on a highway billboard for this show, but like nowhere online. Not even on the venue's Facebook page. Oh, well. But uh, people showed up to the show. And although he's been doing comedy for decades, he hasn't released too much stand-up as far as albums go. So I thought I would play some rare and unreleased material from him live from 2014. That will be in the later half of this show. For the first half of the show, I wanted to find a couple clips from some other comedian I have not played in a while. And I decided on some tracks from another Bob, that is Bob Newhart. He is still alive, last I checked. Still performing, too, I believe. I saw him live uh, several years back. Excellent show. He's still got it. And I think his comedy albums have still held up well over the years. So let's begin with a track of his from his 1965 album, The Windmills Are Weakening. I worked as an accountant for about two years in Chicago. I had a, got a degree in accounting. Went into the Army during the Korean War. Remember that one? (laughs) No benefits. And uh, I have held close to 30 separate accounting jobs in two years, which is like three weeks at each place. I found one thing is true, that they always put you through an orientation program. You spend one week learning all the problems you're going to have to face in this new job. But invariably, after the week in orientation, the first problem you run into, your first day on the job, was never covered in any of the the sessions. Now, with this kind of prologue, this may seem kind of a jump. My favorite movie is King Kong, the monster movie. This is the greatest monster movie ever made. And the biggest scene, of course, the one you all remember from King Kong, is when King Kong climbs the outside of the Empire State Building. All right, now putting these two thoughts together. (laughs) This 
This is the night that King Kong climbs the outside of the Empire State Building. It's also the first night on the job for a new guard. This is his first night on the job. He's gone through a week's orientation on the problems he's going to face, and it happens to be the night that King Kong climbs the outside of the Empire State Building. Hello, Mr. Mr. Nelson. Yes, this this is Sam Hennessy, the 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 new guard. Yeah, sir. I you know I hate to bother you at home like this on on my first night, but see, something's come up, sir, and it's not it's not covered in in the guard's manual. Yeah, I, I looked in the index. Y- yes, sir. It, I, I looked under unauthorized personnel and, uh, and uh, people without passes and, and apes and apes' toes. Uh, apes and apes' toes. Yes, sir. Uh, there, there's an ape's toe uh, sticking through the window, sir. Well, uh, see, uh, see, this isn't your standard ape, sir. I mean, Uh, he's between uh, 18 and 19 stories high, uh, d- uh, d- depending on, on whether there's a 13th floor or not. Uh, uh. Well, uh, sir, I'm, you know, I'm sure there's a rule against, uh, against apes shaking the building. There, there, there is, yes. So I, I, I yelled at his feet, you know, I said... Uh, I said, uh, a shoe ape, and, uh... I'm sorry, but you're going to have to leave, sir. And, uh, you know, I know how you like the new men to to think on their feet, sir. So, um, I I went to the the broom class, and I I got out a broom uh, without, uh, you know, signing out a requisition on it. Yeah, I will tomorrow, yes, sir. And and I started hitting him on the toes with it, you, you see? But uh, it didn't seem to bother him too much. See, uh, there are these planes, sir, and they're, they're flying around him and, and they're shooting at him, you know, and they only seem to be bothering him a little bit, so, so I figured I wasn't doing too, too much good to, uh, with, with, with a broom. D- did, did I try swatting him in the, in, in the face with it? Well, I, I, uh, I was going to take the elevator up to his head, sir. See, but uh, my my jurisdiction only extends to his navel. <laughs> you, just, you don't you don't care what I do, just just get the ape off the building. This uh, this this may complicate things a little. Uh, he's uh, he's carrying a woman in his hands. Right? <laughs> I, no, I, I don't think she works in the building. No, sir. <laughs> well, see, as he, as he passed by my floor, uh, she had this kind of negligee on, you know? So I, I doubt very much if she, if she was one of the cleaning women, you, you know? You know? <laughs> well, well, sir, the first thing I did, I, I filled out a report on it. Well, I, no, I, I don't want to give the building a bad name either, sir, you know, but... 
Well, I doubt very much if we can cover it up, sir. You know. Well, you know, the, the planes are shooting at them, you know, and uh, I mean, people are, are going to come to work tomorrow morning, and, and some of them are going to notice the ape in the street, you know. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and the broken window, you know, and they'll start putting two and two together. You I, I think we're safe on that score, sir. I, I, doubt, I doubt very much if he signed the book downstairs. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't care what I do, just, just get the ape off the building. Well, I, I came up with one idea, sir, uh, but I'm not supposed to leave my post. Well, I, I thought maybe I could smear the Chrysler building with, with bananas. <laughs> I'm intrigued by stories. I'm, I'm intrigued how stories get across the country as fast as they do. And I'm sure every, all of you have wondered at this at one time. And I always heard it was supposed to be the long-distance telephone operators. Late at night, they're supposed to pass stories back and forth across the country, and they're made up in prison. That's the other part of the myth. You know? <laughs> now, how the hell they get from prison to the long-distance telephone operators was never explained to me. This is one which I heard recently, which maybe you've heard already. And it's a story about a guy who is a little bit uh, effeminate, which is... Uh, a lot like being a little uh, pregnant, you know? <laughs> and he, he, has, he has a brother who's straight, you know, and the brother can't stand the guy. And he, he calls him up and he says, um, he says, hi, listen, I just, uh, I just got a call. I do this awfully well, by the way. <laughs> it scares the hell out of my wife out there. <laughs> he said, listen, I just, I just got a call, and I have, I have to fly into New York tonight, and I have, I have no one to leave uh, a pussycat with. And, you know, we've never been uh, separated overnight, and I wonder if you'd mind uh, very much taking care of pussycat, you know. And I, I talked to Mother, but, you know, she hasn't been feeling too well, and she's, you know, she's getting along in years, and be a tremendous burden on I just wonder if you'd mind taking care of pussycat, you know. And the guy says, yeah, bring your damn cat over, I'll take care of you. Take care of your cat for you. He said, well, listen, I want to call every night and talk to Pussycat on the phone because she'll be concerned, you know. So the guy gets to New York and calls up his brother. He says, uh, hi, I arrived safely. I'm staying at the Astor Hotel. And how's, how's Pussycat now? And the guy says, uh, Pussycat's dead. <laughs> Pussycat is dead. Uh, well, it's, you know, it's certainly, certainly one way of, of telling someone their favorite, favorite cat has died. If you had any consideration for another person's feelings, you know, you might have, might have made up some kind of story, you know, to sort of prepare me for news like that and just telling someone their favorite cat has died, you know, like, um, oh, I don't know, you, any story. You could have, maybe a pussycat was playing with this ball on the roof and, you know, had fallen off the roof and hurt, hurt his little leg, you know, and then... And then the next night when I called, you could have explained that, uh, you know, that I wasn't uh, getting any better. And if it, if it wasn't any better the next night, you know, you're going to take him to see this vet, you know. And then, and then the next night when I called, you know, you could have explained that you, uh, you took him to see this vet and, and, and the vet gave, uh, uh, gave Pussycat a shot. And uh, Pussycat had the bad reaction to the shot and, and had passed away uh, very peaceably during the night, you know, at least... You know, at least then I would have been prepared for news like that. But to, to just, you know, tell someone their favorite cat has died doesn't show an awful lot of consideration for another person's feelings, you know. He said, how's, uh, how's mother, by the way? And the guy said, well, uh, sh uh, she was playing with this ball on the roof. 
Satan Satanic Talk with Church of Satan Magister Bill M. Well, it's not Satan worship, it's Satanism. It's embracing the life-enriching things which have traditionally been given the devil's name. Pride, lust, earthly success, rational self-interest, atheism, humor, nonconformity, science, a passion for living, being selective about whom we love. We don't see these as shameful sins, but empowering ideals. And we also recognize the psychological power and fun of symbolism and aesthetics, so we utilize Satan as mythology's most fitting mascot for what we're about. Listen to Satansplain. Learn more at satansplain.com. Come with me, Warlock Jeff Ivans, for a time trip back to the 1980s on the Metro. I play synth pop and other hits from the decades of indulgence, only on RadioFreeSatan.com. Bill M. here with The Devil's Mischief on Radio Free Satan. Visit the official website for The Devil's Mischief, which is devilsmischief.com. You can also email me, bill at devilsmischief.com is the email address. The online station to bring it to you, you know, to bring you The Devil's Mischief, is of course Radio Free Satan. Since the year 2000, Radio Free Satan has been hosting a variety of podcasts from Church of Satan members. Many of those podcasts have come and gone but you can still find what's available on RadioFreeSatan.com. Somebody recently messaged me and asked me where he can find past episodes of The Devil's Mischief. I answer this on the website. In short, you can't. We take the older episodes down every now and then, and that goes for all the other Radio Free Satan shows for that to matter. Once in a while, I used to bring back an old episode, a particularly liked little feature I would call The Devil's Mischief Rewind. Maybe I should do some more of those again. I also used to give away some episodes as bonus gifts in the uh, Devil's Mischief grab bags on eBay. I haven't done any of those in a while, but I've thought of doing them again. In the meantime, I've been focusing more of my attention on my other podcast, Satan's Plane. It is not on Radio Free Satan, but I often advertise the Devil's Mischief in the middle of Satan's Plane. So even though I've been doing the Devil's Mischief for almost 20 years, it seems that some people are only just finding out about the Devil's Mischief now through Satan's Plane. Well, that's how commercials are supposed to work, really. In any case, you can hear me now. If you're listening to me now, then I thank you. Thank you for listening to the Devil's Mischief. Let's continue with the comedy. Here's a block of Bobcat Goldthwaite performing at Johnny D's in Somerville, Massachusetts, back in May of 2014, a day after Walpurgis knocked, in fact. Admittedly not the best sound quality, but uh, certainly worth a listen. Let's hear it. I was with um, Dennis uh, Leary, was performing at the Ding Ho, and, uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, he's on stage doing crowd work, and, uh, and this guy had a cast, and he goes, hey, uh, what happened to your leg? Skiing accident? And the guy goes, I have cancer. Oh, it was beautiful. It was clear that he did have cancer. 
and that he wasn't fucking with Dennis. He was even trying to be kind. He goes, I, I have cancer. He gave Dennis fucking just ate shit. Like, he couldn't get out of that hole. And he goes, uh, hey, can I buy this guy a drink? And the guy goes, I'm on meds. I can't drink. It was just so beautiful. I just like, those are the nights that make comedy special. Opening for Nirvana, you know, and people go, people talk about heckling, you know. I mean, oh, geez, what would happen if someone heckled you? Fucking, they hurt your feelings. I opened for Nirvana. I got hit with M80s. Uh, I'm not complaining. I, I thought it was really fun. I got hit with a teenager one night. They successfully threw a kid out of the pit, and he fucking hit me from behind. And he's like, ah! and he scrambled up like a crab. <laughs> for the shock value. I'm telling you a story to say that I don't do this kind of thing anymore. First show opening for... No, it's true. I really wouldn't do this but because I, I kind of try to pick my targets a little more gracefully. But I went on... It was... I was with Nirvana and we pulled into uh, Chicago. This is my first show with them. And Michael Jordan had retired from basketball. And people had all these homemade sides. Come back, Michael. We love you, Michael. Michael. And the, the, you know, in Nirvana, you know, we don't, none of us watched the, the, the sports shows. We didn't know what the fuck was going on. We were like, what, who's Michael? And, uh, and uh, so I got out on stage in Chicago, and I go, hey, Chicago, uh, I feel bad for Michael Jordan, but for $40 million a year, I'd shoot my own dad in the fucking head. <laughs> and there was a noise. It wasn't even a boot. Kill him, fuck you. Yeah! And I swear to God that I don't believe it exists. As I walked off stage, the only person laughing was Kurt. He really was like, I can't believe you said that. I, um. What's that? Leonard Skinner? Oh, I got a request for a story. It's going What's your name? This story is going out to a lovely lady in the audience named Tess. <laughs> I just get jealous of singers. They get to dedicate songs, you know what I mean? I never get to. This is a story that took place in the 80s. It's a long time ago. Some of you younger kids, you weren't even born when I was relevant. <laughs> but I'm going to sing this. I'm not going to sing. Where the fuck is that? <laughs> I actually going to sing. I, uh, I really did. I, uh, in the 80s, I was doing an outdoor concert at, uh, in Atlanta, and uh, this is how long ago it was. Dennis Miller was my opening act, and, uh, and he was a Democrat. That's how fucking long ago it was. You know? I don't play with You gotta go where the money is, you know? Bill um, <laughs> O'Reilly. Because they keep going, free bird! 
you know, that hilarious chestnut when someone in the audience yells at Freebird. Oh, ha, ha. Pshaw, that's fucking witty. And, uh, Freebird! And finally, it was 45 minutes into the show, I fucking snapped. I go, Leonard Skinner's dead, alright? If they were here, they couldn't do Freebird, you know why? Because they're fucking dead. They're dead, they're dead, they're dead. And while I'm at it, the war's over, you lost, this house not rising again, there's no chicken in the bread basket, picking out dough, slaves have been emancipated, and fucking take those flags down and move on with your life, you ignorant fucking crackers. So, that's a true story. And these biker looking dudes are climbing on the stage, and nobody stops them. And I'm looking for security, and then around their necks is laminated passes that say Leonard Skinner, Survivor's Tour, 87. It was the surviving members of Leonard Skinner, that's why the crowd kept yelling Freebird. They weren't trying to bust my balls, they were actually trying to get Leonard Skinner's attention. First time I ever used my real voice on stage, I was like, ah, fuck you, you hillbillies. And then I see and this guy goes, hey man, we're not dead. And I go, Tony, get the car. <laughs> like I got healed. <laughs> Tony B, Boston, Boston comedian, Charlestown guy. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to buy things for his mother? Um, Tony, uh, Tony and I have known him since I was 18. And uh, Tony, <laughs> we have the best stories when we were to her. Uh, I don't want to name drop, but besides being a comedian, you might not know this, but Tony used to be the American Tourister Gorilla. Did you know that? Yeah, whatever, no baby. You know, he's too humble to tell you that he used to be the guy in the gorilla suit in those commercials, but I'll fucking let it go. I'm proud Really? With my body of work, I'm blowing him shit? You know. It's not like he's in a Snickers commercial, but... Um, I did a Snickers commercial. Robin Williams is my friend, and he called me up, and he's like, uh, they're gonna, they're gonna ask you to do the voice, are you okay with that? <laughs> and I said, for the amount of money Snickers is paying me, they can fuck me with a Snickers bar on camera, and I'll do it. I'll fuck a Snickers bar, I don't give a shit. <laughs> but if anybody is from the Mars Corporation, it really is a good candy bar. I don't give a shit. I love Snickers. Delicious. You don't get this body... Staying away from Snickers. <laughs> Alright, so Tony was the American Trister Gorilla. And he used to be, uh, so his job was he'd have to go to a mall occasionally in this gorilla suit. And the gorilla suit cost a lot of money and it traveled with its own guy. So in between doing stand-up with me, he would show up at a hockey game in a gorilla suit and people would sign autographs. <laughs> That's not the real gorilla's autograph. Fuck, I met him. Here's a photo. Who else wrote that? <laughs> about a Sam Kinison and asked me for an autograph. And I said, yes, I am. I wanted to get that conversation over. I just went, oh, 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 Sam Kinison. No, I'm the screaming guy from the 80s that actually is not terrified of foreigners or women. So, um, I am a weirdo. I don't pick on weirdos. So, uh, no, but I love the idea of that guy going, saw Sam Kinison at the mall. And they go, dude, he's dead. So, oh, George Julius is <laughs> So, Tony, uh, he and I were flying out of Canada. And, um, and the gorilla suit wasn't with him, but he weighed about 250 at the time. And, and, and he was having a chafing problem. 
and he needed some uh, baby powder to put his black onesie unitard that he wore under the gorilla suit. And we were flying out of Winnipeg, and um, the border patrol was going through our luggage. And the, there's no gorilla suit, but he finds this giant unitard, and Tony's crotch sweat and baby powder had made white rocks. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
That sounds pretty good, you know. I'll fuck you on this cuddle and then make you a little sodium breakfast. <laughs> Holy shit. Oatmeal and Morningstar sausages. Natural yogurt and chia. Seeds. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I had what was described as a minor heart attack and, um, and I'm fine. I don't like talking about that because people get weirded out. But by the way, you know they say laughter is the best medicine? Uh, fuck that. Turns out nitroglycerin is the best medicine. <laughs> when I was rolling around on the floor, I was rubbing my arm. I was like, ah, does anyone have a crocodile little hunter impression? It had similar markings. 
things, and that's all it took. So now I'm really worried that this cat's not going to be able to find its way home, so I walked it all the way back, and it didn't want to be held anymore. It's like, <laughs> and uh, I was concerned that the cat did really live at this house, so I knocked on the door, and then I ducked around the corner, and this woman opened the door, and the cat ran in. I was like, oh, good, it lives there. But then the woman just looked, went, hmm. <laughs> and then went back in. Like, she's like, hmm. Well, I guess the cat's knocking on the door now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Call the cops, wouldn't you? Because cats can't knock on doors. They got fur on their little knuckles. You wouldn't even hear it. You're like a moth. <laughs> the end of that story, I don't even get to appreciate. Like, I envisioned the cat, like, in the front lawn <laughs> the next day going, don't even talk to me about last night. <laughs> Why? What happened? <sighs> Have you ever seen Police Academy? <laughs> They're actually rebooting Police Academy. They're going to do what they did to 21 Jump Street. They're going to make it a comedy this time. <laughs> I'm Bobcat Goldthwait, and you're listening to The Devil's Mischief on Radio Free Satan. This is Reverend Gene, the host of Vox Satane, exclusively on Radio Free Satan. Join me every week as we indulge in the classical side of music spanning the past 1,000 years. Vox Satani has already featured over 700 composers covering medieval, baroque, classical, romantic, and contemporary music, including chant, choral, opera, keyboard, and orchestral music, with composers ranging from Gluck to Gilmore, Bach to Bellevance, Talis to Taverner, and Paganini to Perrot. Get your weekly recommended dose of classical music right here on Vox Satane, only on Radio Free Satan, with me, Reverend Jean. Hail Satan! You have been listening to The Devil's Mischief on Radio Free Satan. I'm going to leave you now with one track. Some time ago, William Shatner released an album of covers of famous space-related rock songs. I think it was... damn, 2011? That long ago? At the time, I was doing a string of episodes of The Devil's Mischief where I would end each episode with one of the tracks from the album. I haven't done that in quite a while, so here's one of the tracks I never did end up playing. It's a cover of the Duran Duran song, Planet Earth. Pretty sure I've never played it. Done, of course, in William Shatner's style of, well, singing, if you want to call it singing. A good novelty song to end this episode with, in any case. Thank you for listening to The Devil's Mischief. Hail Satan. Bye-bye. Tranquility Base, this is Houston. Can we get both of you on the camera for a minute, please? Again, Houston. Roger, we'd like to get both of you on the field of view of the camera for a minute. To watch the night fall with the rain I heard you making patterns Rhyme 
like some new romantic looking for the TV sound. You'll see I'm right some other time. Look now, look all around. There's no sign of life, voices, another sound. Can you hear me now? This is planet Earth. You're looking at planet Earth. Bop, 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 bop. This is planet Earth. Earth. My head is stuck on something precious. Let me know if you're coming down to land. Is there anybody out there trying to get through? My eyes are so cloudy, I can't see you. Look now, look all around. There's no sign of life, voices, another sound. Can you hear me now? This is planet Earth. You're looking at planet Earth. Bop, 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 bop. This is planet Earth.
storm. That's the end.